Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And today I'd really like to chat to you about the six keys to success in the share market. Now, whilst there's six keys, they're not necessarily pointed directly at traders or investors, but they're ones that all of us could actually, doesn't matter whether you're a trader or investor, you could actually, uh, or you should actually take notice of these six different keys to success in the share market. Now, number one is successful trading. And, and I said, you can interchange trading and investing. It's not about how much money you make. Now, that's really strange sort of title to, to create um, for a key. A successful trading is not about how much money you make. And yet when I ask people all the time, why, why you, you know, trade in the share market, they say to make money. Um, well, it's not actually about making money. And, and it may surprise you by this statement. However, successful investing or trading in the share market is not really about how much money you make. Rather, it's, it's about how much money you do not lose. In other words, it's about minimising your risk, not maximising your profits. And yesterday we had the Melbourne Cup here in, in Melbourne and a lot of people out there throwing money at different horses and, and betting on the horses. And the interesting thing is horse racing is exactly the same as the share market in terms of risk management. So professional punters minimise their risk. Professional traders minimise their risk. So, And it's the same in the casino as well. It's about understanding the risks you're taking and then having a strategy around all that. And so the most efficient way to minimise risk in the share market is to set a stop loss. Now, interesting to me is that um, next month, I think it is, I'm going to be speaking for the Australian Shareholders Association and, uh, and, another, and another group. But often when I speak to groups of investors, such as like what I might do for, if I speak for the ASX or if I do a public type of seminar, when I talk to investors, I, I ask, how many use a stop loss? And the majority, and I'm talking 90% of people don't ever use a stop loss. And that's the reason why they're not as successful as they could be. And a stop loss is simply a price point where you want to sell to preserve your capital if you actually enter the trade and it turns against you or to protect your profits of a winning trade. Now, I don't know anybody that's ever bought a share that's bought shares that's never had a share that's gone against them. And this is why you need to have a stop loss. And unfortunately, most would-be traders don't use stop losses either. And, and if I'm talking with traders in a room or people that are traders, I still find a big chunk of traders actually don't use stop losses or they actually don't know how to use them or how to set them properly. Um, and they're very poor at exiting trades. A lot of traders turn a good trade into an investment because they're poor at taking their stop losses. And as such, they are largely over time unprofitable. Uh, really, really simple key to successful investing is understand how to exit uh, and do that. Number two is timing the market is essential to your investing or trading success. Now, many investors state that the buy and hold strategy is the best way to achieve superior market gains. Uh-uh. It's not. Uh, it simply is that buy and hold really sort of works during a, a really, really strong bull market, but that's the only time that it actually works. Because what actually happens is it might do quite well for a while and outperform traders because traders won't get in on the very bottom or get out at the very top. So the buy and hold take that whole run. So whilst you may be in front for a while, as soon as the market drops away, you start losing and you're losing more. Uh, and that's really why buy and hold doesn't actually work. So, however, the most most adopting this approach over the last decade would have seen their portfolios drop by an estimated 50% during the darkest days of the GFC, making matters worse. In order to return the same value pre-GFC, GFC, the portfolio had to rise by 100%. So if they lost 50% in the GFC and some lost over 75%, 
But if you lose 50% or your portfolio fell 50% in the GFC, you needed to get it back 100% or it needed to double in value just to get back to where you started from. By actively trading or actively investing, you can achieve far superior returns as shares will generally rise in value for between 12 months and 5 years before falling away in price for a similar period. Using a buy and hold approach, we'll see gains made during bullish periods decimated when the bears take control, which they do on a fairly regular basis. Um, I was only saying to a journalist the other week that you need to expect that twice a year the share market is going to fall away um, by, you know, um, 5 to 10%, and once every four years it's 15 to 20%. So that's what happens, and so get used to it, I suppose, uh, is what we're talking about. And adopting a simple capital preservation technique, such as a stop loss that we mentioned in point one, will see returns compound much faster than simply holding on and hoping for the best. Um, number three, only investing quality blue chip stocks. And this is one mantra that I've been pushing out for, for 20 years or more. And, and it, it is one that I can continually see people break all the time. You know, they break stop losses. Um, they turn, they, they won't exit, as I said. To, um, but there's an old saying that you get what you pay for, and, and buying quality blue chip stocks extends to that. But this mantra extends to the share market very, very much so. And one of the keys to successful investing is to buy any quality blue chip companies who have a history of providing solid returns. They're easier to pick, they're easier to trade. However, I see many traders who mistakenly believe that penny dreadfuls hold the key to gaining significant wealth. Yet this is rarely ever the case. In, in fact, you've got probably for a blue for a penny dreadful you've got i think the statistic is about one chance in a thousand of getting it very to getting consistently accurate um so it's they're very highly inaccurate way of, of actually trying to make money think of it this way if you're looking to employ somebody would you do so simply on the proviso that their services were cheap of course you wouldn't you would want to know that they have a good track record and that were capable of completing the task which you'd hired them for. So buying quality blue chip type stock is a much is really much the same. It's essential that you buy stocks with solid growth and income prospects and are managed by a well-regarded team. Leave the penny dreadfuls to the gamblers, the uneducated traders and investors. Your money is important to you, so make sure you're using it correctly. Now, number four, don't overuse leverage. There are two emotional vehicles that drive the share market, fear and greed and greed to dominates the emotional landscape of traders when times are great um, and f the fear dominates when things are bad. In a rising market, many many people leverage up to the hilt trading just about anything that moves with a rising market. And we saw that pre-GFC where margin lending was all-time record highs or was at all-time record highs consistently. And I keep telling or teaching my traders to always leave something on the table. So when I'm teaching in our diploma, I'm saying don't take everything that you can get. You know, if you're going to think I'll borrow it, lend you this much, take less than that. You need to leave some skin in, not only have your skin in the game, but also leave some on the table for somebody else. Um, um, and so the rising market will generally hide their mistakes if they're overextending. However, just as leveraging can actively or significantly increase your returns, losses are also magnified in a falling market. Now, those new to the market are often enticed by fancy marketing and the potential of high returns that be can be gained by trading things such as CFDs, options, warrants, futures. We're seeing so many people ring us up now about FX and it's like the people have never bought shares in life wanted to trade FX. That's gambling in my book. Um, this is because bear markets, uh, in bear markets, the streets become littered with would-be traders who've lost all their profit and sometimes more with the overuse of leverage or poor skills and fear. And as a general rule of thumb, if you cannot profitably trade blue chip shares on a consistent basis, 
don't ever attempt to trade on anything else. Uh, and it really is, it's, it's, it's the journey, learning to trade is a journey. That's what I teach my traders. It's, it, it is a journey to, tr- to do that. You can't just get it overnight. And, and some people have heard me talk often enough would know that I have an, a bit of analogy. Would you get on a plane with a pilot that's got the dummy's guide to try to flying a 747? And the answer is no. So would you trust somebody with your knowledge and experience with your money? And often when I ask that question, the answer is no. So, and that's exactly what most people are doing. Number five, don't over-diversify. We've all heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And there is a good reason for this, simply because if you place all your money in one investment and that investment goes bad, you stand to lose all of your money. And again, I see that with traders trying to trade FX, putting all their money in, thinking they're going to be rich, but the, the exact opposite happens. Therefore, it makes sense to spread your money across different asset classes. However, many in the industry promote diversifying within an asset class. And this is where investment performance can go awry. For example, we find most people generally hold too many stocks in their portfolio. So somebody owns an over-diversified portfolio, we tend to find that one-third of their stocks are going up, one-third are going down, and the other third are going sideways or worse. Um, given this, we, we only want to hold on to stocks that are rising in value, which makes sense to get rid of those that are not performing and restrict the portfolio to between 5 and 12 stocks. Um, and I constantly see people over-diversifying or way past that. It's much easier to select a small number of rising stocks, and the portfolio is much easier to manage. And to top it off, you'll save money on transaction fees. There's a lot of benefits of not over-diversifying. Number six, or the last one, is have a plan. Have a plan. Have a plan. Because um, the majority don't. Uh, did you know that the logical part of your brain is much smaller than the emotional side? In order to make smart decisions about your finances, it stands to reason that you need the logical side to dominate. Yet the opposite is normally the case once a hint of fear or greed sets in. Okay, there's a main, there's a main reason why we see otherwise intelligent people chase get-rich-quick fantasies or hang on to uh, onto stocks of lost significant value. The realm of the emotionally driven, well, that's the realm of the emotionally driven financial decisions. Um, during the GFC, we'd borne witness to what most onset of fear can do to the financial markets around the world. And there's one way to avoid this, however, and that's to have a solid plan in place as to how you importantly, or how you will, and importantly, how you will not invest your wealth and stick to your plan. So all those five prior rules should be in your plan. Because um, having the plan is when the, when the proverbial hits the fan, as they say, you know exactly what to do. You don't have to think about it. You read your plan, do that, uh, and make it very, very dispassionate. I'll leave all those six points with you. Remember, this is uh, Talking Wealth Podcast. So get onto iTunes and give us a rating of five and put a little testimony. That really helps us if you could do that, please. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. You're listening to Talking Wealth. Take care. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more information, products and services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News and Media tab in the navigation.